With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Y Whales. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Y Whales, wherever in the world you are today. So it is uh, May 4th, so may the 4th be with you. And uh, we're really excited today because we have Jason Desimone uh, with us, and, and as always, my uh, lovely co-host, Sue Marks. And, you know, it's a really weird time in the world. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of un unrest uh, globally going on in the, in the entire world. Uh, there's there's potential wars happening. Um, banks literally were crashing yesterday. Uh, the, the Fed raised, raised interest rates, and we had multiple banks like literally crash and disappear overnight. Uh, and this, this is when crypto is supposed to shine. This is blockchain's shiny moment. Bitcoin should be coming to the rescue any moment now. It's the 2008, 2009 financial crises all over again. And Bitcoin's at 29,000. Um, and that's fine. And I think that's still really, you know, kind of uh, showcases the power of the fact that we're, we're still here. We're, we're still kind of moving the right direction. But there's been a lot of, of, of the crises that has hurt the cryptocurrency market because the fiat on and off ramps are, are mostly killed off. Um, so if you have money in, you're good. But if you want to get money in, it's really a challenge right now. Um, and so... You know, while this while this podcast isn't you know designed directly around uh, you know the the global financial markets, it absolutely is adjacent to it because what we have to have along with a a shining global financial industry is you have to have sub industries. You have to be able to utilize Bitcoin. You have to be able to utilize smart contracts and 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 uh, Ethereum and and every different network out there to be able to create a, a thriving ecosystem. And so that's why I'm really excited to have Jason today because you're an amazing user of blockchain technologies and Web three infrastructure. Um, Sue, if you wouldn't mind kind of, you know, giving a quick intro uh, for Jason, that'd be fabulous. Well, I first met Jason because we've got a mutual uh, acquaintance in, in New York City and am just really impressed with with the Rove World platform. And it is a Web3 entertainment platform that makes it seamless and simple and easy and engaging for artists and fans to connect. So it, it's, you know, kind of the essential one click that you see on some other platforms, Rove World does that. And I've you know, got it here on my, <laughs> on my phone here. So welcome, Jason. And, uh, you know, Jay talks about, yep, is it crypto winner? Web3 is out. AI is in. You know, it's all about digital transformation and all of the new ways we are interacting and engaging our customers. And more importantly, how our customers and fans expect us to engage with them. So every week, there's more brands that are jumping in to the third version of the internet, Web3, digital uh, experiences. And I just love the way that you are working with some of the biggest brands that there are. So just quickly, in the, um, in the spirit of Simon Sinek, what's your why? And of course, there's what, how, and why. So why don't you talk a little bit about your personal what, how, why, and Rove World's what, how, why? Absolutely. I uh, just wanted to start off by thanking uh, Sue and Jay for having me on. Um, so so interesting what and important what Y Wales is, is building. 
and um, you know, honored to be here. Yeah, so I think that was a great preface um, into this discussion. Um, my biggest what or why, I should say, I, I've been in the space for a while, the uh, crypto, blockchain, Web3, whatever you want to call it. I've been in this space since around 2015, 2016. Um, adamant user of the technology, also a big believer in the, in the ideological uh, and the philosophical tenets behind it, um, a lot of which Jay hit on. And, um, you know, as a builder in the space for quite a while, um, I know the only way to really substantiate this industry and to, to, for it to reach its full potential is to onboard new users, right, to grow the entire pie. And I think it's really important what Sue just hit on, where a lot of, a lot of, these, uh, a lot of this tech stack is buzzwords, right, whether it's Web3, crypto, AI, um, you know, AR, VR, you name it. The, the whole goal, right, is um, we want to create a future where um, there are seamless interactions uh, between you know, customers and the organizations they interact with, whether that's financial or uh, various industries. And they shouldn't even realize what the tech is behind it, right? And that's one of the goals behind Rove. Um, the company as a whole is called Rove. Rove World is our uh, mobile app. Um, one of the first crypto apps approved by Apple. It's available in the App Store. And our goal was really to remove all the traditional friction points that you see in Web3 products. Um, so once again, this is a mobile app. You download it in the App Store. You sign in with your email address um, and a digital wallet's created for you. You never need to deal with a seed phrase, um, never need to uh, you know, deal with a lot of the dangers around uh, wallet hacks and losing your private keys, et cetera. Um, from there, uh, users actually never need to hold crypto. So this app is, is use, utilizing NFT technology. It's making actual calls to the blockchain, but users never need to hold crypto. Uh, it's called gasless transactions, right? So we cover the gas. Um, and we thought it was really important, right, um, versus what currently exists out there. I know this is a little long-winded, but giving a, a little bit about the background. Uh, right now, a user would have to go to a centralized exchange, buy Ethereum or Solana or whatever, send it to um, you know, a third party, connect your MetaMask. There's just too many steps in between, and we wanted to streamline that. Um, just to uh, go from there, we accept credit card payments and in-app purchases, and we're transferring digital wallets to usernames. So add Sue, add Jay versus an entire wallet address. This was the main thing I was focused on from a product perspective from day one. Once we built this foundation and this infrastructure, now we're able to engage with different brands, different organizations who want a direct way to engage with their audience. And um, I, I firmly believe that uh, Web3 is the future uh, and, and this uh, exponential technology as a whole. And so do a lot of brands, right? It, despite it being a crypto winter, the space is growing by every metric, right? Uh, wallets, uh, total users, uh, transactions on chain. The space is only growing, more and more brands are coming in, and we want to be well positioned for, for the next narrative. That's a little sort of overview. I hope I hit no, on, no, that, on that, all of it. That, that was That's fabulous. And, and there's yeah, and there's a couple of things I want to kind of like chalk through right now, right off the bat, which is you have a product, a real product that has real world utility value and and is needed uh, by by your prospective clients so that they can go out and build their brand and, and do everything that they've they're training to do. But none of these people, or not to say none, a majority of them don't care about Web3. 
they don't want to have a, a you know a, a wallet, MetaMask wallet, and learn all the things. And I can say, you know, having taught a thousand plus people how to use you know blockchain wallets. It's it's not a safer system. It's not an easier system. You know the benefits of of self custody are gone the second you lose anything. Um, and so what you're doing is, I believe, the right way. Whereas you're utilizing the technology without anyone having to realize that you're use, utilizing the technology. And that does a couple of things. Number one, um, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm saying this for the audience, you already know this, is, is it allows you to kind of future-proof your platform. Is that you can say, hey, this is this is siloed right now as you're building, making sure that you're, you're adhering to the ROI that you need for your company and that your clients are getting kind of what they need. But eventually there's ecosystems that will be built off of, off of these communities. And I think that that's one of the coolest things. How, how was that decision made to kind of abandon the, like, Download your your Phantom Wallet and and you know go through these twenty five steps so you can log in. Yeah, so I think um, you know having been in the space for a while, one thing you realize is it's one of the fastest moving industries you'll ever you're ever you know be a part of. Uh, you can have an idea that's relevant and forward thinking one day, and it's obsolete the next. So if you're a builder in this space, you have to think more than one step ahead, right? You got to think multiple steps ahead. We actually started building Rove in twenty twenty one. Um, and everything that we built was for where the space was headed, not where it was in that in that current time. Back then, the, the concept of building mobile apps was you know very foreign. It still is, but we think this will be the main narrative of the next cycle: consumer friendly products. Mm -hmm. And we knew that just where the space was was not conducive to that growth that I talked about in the previous answer. So uh, I think uh, riffing off what Jay said there. The goal is always to, to take the benefits of Web3, right, and remove the pain points. So what are some of the benefits of Web3? Well, custodial control over your assets, right? Um, this sort of uh, the internet of like ownership, whether that's data or collectibles, what have you. This direct relationship between brand and, and fan without uh, value being extracted by intermediaries. Right. All of these concepts that, you know, we, we love about Web3 and we believe in, um, let's retain those, but actually make it easy and safe uh, for the for the user to interact with it. And um, just the current what we saw, NFTs were just taking off. But once again, the, the, the user flow, if you will, was, you know, if, if I'm a new user who's never used crypto, We'd have to direct them to a centralized exchange. Let's call it Coinbase. They'd have to buy ETH or Sol or AVAX. They'd have to buy gas for whatever chain they're interacting with. Then send that to a, uh, a MetaMask or a Hot Wallet um, on, a, on a Chrome browser, which they have to set up with a seed phrase. Now connect that wallet to a third-party site. There's probably a 50% chance you get scammed and lose everything in your wallet. And then, you know, if you don't, um, and you miraculously mint this thing, then then what? What do I do with this asset? Does it just sit there um, and I hope the value goes up? There were like so many pain points. Um, it was such like a rudimentary and rough space. And we knew that um, everyone who can crack that, that everyone says onboarding the next billion users, but whoever can crack that through through the product really had a winning recipe. So we went mobile. We built on um, a very friendly chain for what we're doing, which I could get into. And we wanted to once again keep the benefits of Web three and remove the uh, the friction points. 
Yeah, and I'd love to talk about the the selection of chain, and and it's not because you know there, there's no maxis. I, I think that anyone that's a maximalist in this in this day and age is really kind of missing out on the ecosystem. Uh, you know, there's going to be chains upon chains upon yes. chains, and and ecosystems that that need to flow in. You know, Web three, I always refer to as the modular internet. You know, you should be able to move all these assets around. Like no one, when you visit a website today, no one's like, is this S three or Azure? <laughs> I, I only you know browse on on Azure websites because it's you know nobody cares. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, you're on Solana. Uh, I'm personally a big fan of Solana. I've been in there for a long time. And I, I look at it as kind of that next evolution of, of they took everything that Ethereum and, and, and EVM compatible chains were doing, and they're just moving at a much faster pace. Can Ethereum catch up? Can they, can they you know, do they have a larger ecosystem today? It's arguable depending on which metrics you're looking at. But what was kind of the choice? Um, because I can tell you, and I'm sure you did as well, you take a lot of flack from the communities based on what chain you're on. But Nobody knows what chain you're on because you put it in the background. <laughs> exactly. And I think this is a product of a very, this is once once again a product of the industry being very early and nascent. Uh, so we have these sort of tribalistic views around chains and ecosystems um, that we kind of need to get rid of for this space to grow as a whole, I think, you know, to what you're alluding to, Jay. So <clears throat> essentially, there's a few key decisions that you want to make um, when choosing what, what chain to build your product on. Um, for us at the time, this was before Solana blew up in relevancy. I think it was ranked number 52 in terms of tokens. Mm -hmm. It was yet to have that crazy run where it became in the top 10. But uh, as I was looking at chains and, you know, in the early days, just to take a step back, it was Bitcoin only for the first six or so years of the industry. Ethereum created the concept of a smart contract. Um, Ethereum was the main layer one. Um, and then we saw this explosion of alternative layer ones in like 2018 and 2019. And right around then was the birth of Solana. Uh, I was always looking at it as a very interesting chain. As Jay said, it's it's non-EVM compatible. It's built on uh, something called Rust, um, which is a different tech stack. But what Solana allows for is instantaneous transactions and a very uh, low transaction fee. So the average transaction fee on Ethereum is 0. 0.00025 cents. It was a fraction of a penny for each transaction. Um, to compare it to ETH, when ETH is widely used and congested, it could one transaction could cost up to $100, right? So we're, um, all of these decisions are very important to us because we're trying to create a product that would interface with the masses. One thing we were building besides mobile is, as I mentioned, gasless transactions. So every time you buy an NFT in Rove, whether it's a ticket or a collectible, um, we're covering the gas fees as the platform. So users never need to hold crypto. That is unsustainable with a 10 to $100 gas fee, right? It needed to be negligible and scalable. Um, so Solana has the best um, mobile stack if you want to build a mobile app. They just released uh, Saga and Solana mobile stack recently. We were doing this yep. before, but it's very friendly for building on mobile. That was a key consideration instantaneous transaction fees and um, instantaneous transactions and low transaction fees. And then last but not least, this was when um, Solana was developing its vibe and its community and its culture. And it was it was really um, focused on onboarding the masses and, and entertainment. I think Audius, the Spotify of crypto, just moved over. And we realized to build sort of an entertainment um, product that wanted to interface with brands this would be a strong community for us to do so. So we um, we built on Solana. Um, just a side note, we are now go expanding multi-chain. So we just formed a, a yeah. partnership with Near Protocol. 
That is the, oh, wow. the first additional chain we will integrate. And my thoughts on that really quickly is that um, as a builder, um, you want to adopt a multi-chain approach as quick as possible because there's enough risk on the application layer, right? There's a lot of risks. Will you get users? Will people like this? Will the tech work? There's enough risk there. You don't want to build risk into the protocol as well. Um, and in this day and age where every week something new is labeled a security or there's a new massive hack, you want to create options with your product. Um, and if something goes wrong with one chain, you want to be able to migrate pretty, pretty seamlessly. Uh, and, and this is redundancy. This is not a <laughs> a new new concept in the tech world. Like, there's no one that's hosting any type of you know public uh, website or, or any infrastructure that just goes on this one server. <laughs> and you know, a blockchain is essentially while it's decentralized, it's a single server that we're just going to trust that this one is good. You know, they're gonna you 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 have to load balance. You have to do a lot of things and plan for disasters and disaster recovery. So I, I think that entirely makes sense. And I love the the chain agnostic. And, and by the way, near I love. Love the concepts there, and and I think that they're definitely making some good strides. Um, Sue, I apologize, I've been hogging uh, Jason right off the bat. <laughs> no, and I know you've got a long list of questions. It's fascinating when you, uh, Jason, when you think about the next, say, nine to twelve months. So you know, through twenty twenty three and beginning twenty twenty four, what do you see as the biggest um, obstacles or threats and the biggest opportunities? Uh, specifically with Rove or the industry as a whole. Let's let's talk about both. Let's take okay. Rove first, and then and then let's um, take a step back and talk about the industry. Great, yeah. I mean, they're you know inextricably linked, so we'll hit on both. But um, I think you know the the space uh, crypto as a whole is very uh, it's a very cyclical uh, industry. It's marked by euphoric bull runs and then really depressing bear markets. Um, every cycle is kind of the same. Um, there's new narratives each time, but you know, by and large, um, you have very like sort of predictable trends. We are, you know, dead in the middle of a bear market. Um, the Bitcoin having is a little over a year from now, and that's normally what precipitates yeah. the next bull market. Um, so we have a little more, and this is normally the time where you actually, it's actually the toughest because we had the crazy drops. Now it's the sideways action. Like Bitcoin saying between thirty and like twenty six thousand, like for like you know months on end, and this is when everyone starts like a lot of people who were here for the wrong reasons um, start flocking to other industries such as AI or what have you, only to return during the next pump. So there's a lot of things you need to fight as like a builder during these uh, periods. One is just general apathy. Um, number two is like funding dries up a lot. Uh, so uh, it, we're definitely experiencing a VC winter in, in the crypto space. Um, there was uh, money flowing everywhere in 2021 and a little bit in 2022. That's really dried up. So as a builder, you really need to be uh, cognizant of your runway. Um, you see a lot of companies downsizing as a precautionary measure. And then money will flow again in the next bull and you resume. So there's a lot of strategic plays you have to make there. Um, I think what's different about this bear market that's very tough to navigate is the regulatory um, onslaught, if you will, um, that's happening globally. Um, this is not just with crypto, right? This is the fiat on-ramp as well that Jay alluded to in the intro. It's making it very difficult to navigate, especially as um, American or domestic companies, which Rove is, um, so, uh, you know, we, we deal with crypto, um, we're, we're, we're a tech product, you know, we, we, 
we obviously have you know our reserves in, in fiat, but we deal with crypto quite frequently. And um, not having that on-ramp, not knowing, I think the toughest part is not necessarily uh, the regulation, but it's the lack of clarity. So if you're a builder, there's no clear framework to operate in. Um, you can, uh, go ahead, Jay. Oh no, I, I I completely sympathize and, yeah. and and understand. You know, we we have a number of projects and, and projects that we do ourselves. And you know, as a CEO, I can just say I've I've been doing this for you know almost thirty years. I never once, you know, had to worry about like is my bank safe? Yeah. Like the fact that like I'm writing you know these long letters to the board like hey, I just moved all of our money as a precautionary measure from one of the largest banks, you know, in the, in North America, because I'm worried about it. And, and, and then you're right. And then, you know, so there's this, this level of paranoia that we have to live with. Like, I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. I'm just minting this that has no intrinsic value today, but I see, you know, company X, Y, and Z is now being sued for this. And it's, being in, in the United States right now is really hard. And I can say that, you know, one of our larger projects we're doing, I, I'm, I'm, you know, as a, an American, I really wanted to launch it here, but we're launching it in the EU because they're they're being just clear about the rules. And and that's the, the point is that I don't think that you and or your team in any way, shape or form is saying, you know what we can do? We can we can get around all these things. You guys are doxxed, you're known entities, you're KYC'd, you've got real bank accounts, you're a real company. You're sitting there saying, I want to build a real business. I just don't want to do it on the SWIFT system. I just, I don't want to be a part of this. I'll pay my taxes. I'll make sure everyone does their things. But but the technology that we need is different than than what you had in the 1990s. And so I have to be forward thinking. Um, so I, I just, I entirely sympathize with with uh, those concepts that you're dealing with right now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's difficult enough to, you know, build a startup. As everyone knows, over 90% fail. You have those just like, intrinsic, you know, risks and, and issues to deal with, then you're adding on top of that. You could do everything by the books, right? And it's still, um, you know, you could still skirt an unknown um, regulation. It, it's very difficult to, uh, to navigate um, and to have any sort of like reassurance as you're building. Um, so I think, I think uh, we will get clearer frameworks um, in the near term, whether it's this administration or the next one. Um, it's, it's, it's impossible. This industry is here to stay. There's, there's too much capital flowing in globally for there to not be clear guidelines about what you can and can't do, which isn't too much to ask, right? Um, they could be draconian, but at least let us know what is acceptable and what is not. I think that's like the, uh, something we need to get uh, rectified. Um, 30% 30% tax on all bitcoins mined is is you know that that's yeah. their that's their solution. Yeah, yeah, We're going right. to tax you and 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 to the point where it's not profitable anymore. Yeah. So. yeah. And you know it's clear um, it's not even without going too far down this hole but a lot of it uh, down the rabbit hole but a lot of it is nonsensical. It it doesn't even uh, there's clear clear ulterior motives and um, you know conflicts of interest uh, around you know what this this, this technology is very disruptive, so it brings it brings a lot of that with it. So to answer your question, Sue, that's um, I'd say the main like um, you know negative uh, dark cloud over overhanging the the industry, and it makes it uh, scary for newcomers to enter in. Um, we're dealing with brands constantly; they all have a Web three arm, but they don't know if they're you know uh, there, there's too much risk for them versus the upside right now. Um, so well, that's, and, that's and their lawyers probably they they've got an army of lawyers back at at corporate asking yeah. lots of questions and right 
<laughs> yeah, and uh, no one has the answers because uh, there aren't mm-hmm. clear answers, uh, despite mm-hmm. if anyone says they know the, the, there aren't. Uh, so once that gets cleared up, there'll be a very clear path forward. You're going to see um, more and more um, uh, newcomers into the space, um, more novel technology being built and more capital flowing in. And I think um, on the bright spot where the future is headed is a very, um, you know, it's very strong um, overall. I think we've uh, crossed that chasm where this is no more like the complete wild west, like a fringe you know, sector. And it's now widely adopted, I think, thanks to this last bull run. And um, I think this next wave, which I mentioned to before, will be marked by consumer-friendly products, mobile apps, user-friendly games, things that will really onboard non-native crypto users without them even realizing that they're interacting um, with the blockchain. And that's where the chain you're built on doesn't really matter. Um, Like Jay said, you care about the, the the site you're using to use Web2 references. You care if Instagram is good or Facebook. You don't care what it's built on. And that's kind of where we need to get to as an industry. And I think that's where we're headed. There's amazing stuff being built behind the scenes um, on the positive side. So well, I want to talk... And we want to we want to do everything on our mobile, right? We carry this with us yeah. all the time. So we want that permanent record of this awesome, hard to get into, hard to get a ticket for a concert that we went to. This really great collectible that we got in an instant at that concert. You know, it's just um, so many new things that consumers are beginning, especially younger consumers, are beginning to expect. Yeah, and I, I want to just take a quick second and, and talk about the developments of these because I, you know, as someone uh, who who builds in the space, and we talk, our audience is, is builders, entrepreneurs, and and you know, people that want to start working in the space. Um, it's so much harder than Web two, and I think that's the peop- the thing that most people don't understand is is you cannot like that's great that you can just you know issue a coin, um, but the concepts behind the implications of that are forever, and and so you know in the Web two world you can you can build a car you can send it out on the track take a couple of laps bring it back in make some changes and just you just keep doing it over and over and over again until you get a product so it's you launch a website you make some changes you you, you change your product around and and it's very forgiving it's it, you can update it. Working in Web three technologies, you're launching a satellite, um, and and you're sending this thing off into space, and you're not. It's not coming back. If you do something wrong or something critically wrong, you're going to have something that's dead floating around in space, and you can you're going to have to replace it, which then causes more problems. What what's it been? You know, is there kind of decision? Um, you know, uh, parallel paralysis that you guys suffer every now and then when you're trying to figure out like what chain are we going to go on to? How do we, how are we going to mint these NFTs? Like how do you guys walk through the the merger of Web two and Web three technologies? Yeah, it's it's really a great question, and uh, the points you hit on are are absolutely you know spot on. Like the you know, they say like some of the features of Web3 are actually the bugs. So one is immutability, right? But then with that comes this permanent, you know, permanent stamp, um, historical stamp on on chain. Um, so there's a couple of things that are much more difficult about building in Web3 than Web2. Um, I mentioned the speed at which the space moves. Um, it's really 24-7. You can't really take, take time off or else you will get lapped. Uh, but there's breakneck innovation. And um, uh, to your point, Jay, there's a lot more implications in each decision that is made within within a company when you're launching products. For us, 
there's a couple of different approaches you could take as a builder. There's one school of thought that is like um, ship as fast as you can, you know, build and ship as fast as you can, get feedback from the market, and then iterate when you can. Some it's not as easy with something like a token. But um, like in terms of products, like if you put out an MVP, you could then get market feedback and build from there. That's one school of thought, like get to market as quick as possible. Um, We approach Drove from a different school of thought, which is finding that balance between building fast, right? But also being very thoughtful before launching um, anything into the market. And um, Rove and the Rove World app now is not what it was when it started. It's evolved a lot. We were able to survey the landscape and build for what was coming instead of what currently existed. And um, I think um, you have to have you have to have a level of um, acceptance that um, at any given moment there could be critical errors or bugs or mistakes um, in in what you put out there. It's it's a nature of the beast. If you are not built for that, like you know, individually or as a team, you're going to have a very difficult time navigating it. So it's just something you have to live with. Um, and then you do the best within those confines. So um, what I would say to any builder is take a thoughtful approach, um, go to market when you feel it's right. And then from there, once you're live, then iterate fast, ship fast. And uh, for stuff that is more, there's certain things that are of critical importance. And then there's certain things that can be iterated on. A product, a mobile app, we can iterate on it. You know, if if this button isn't working or we don't like the placement or this feature isn't great, we can build upon that. But if we launch a token, um, you can't necessarily redo that. Or if you do with like a burn or an airdrop, it has a lot of consequences, as Jay's point. So that's something that you want to let grow more organically. Make sure you get it right. Get multiple viewpoints on it and various security audits. Like really do that. Do your diligence on the things that when you ship have much more permanent consequences than the stuff that you can uh, adapt. Awesome. Sue? I think when, when you think about the um, the brands that you work with and, and other brands, what are the couple of projects that you're most excited about at Rove World and, and who else do you admire what they're doing? Yeah, um, another, another great question. Um, our biggest brand activation thus far, um, and I'm going to preface this by saying the app has been live a little over three months now, um, so we're still kind of new to, to market. Uh, our biggest activation was at the uh, Tommy Hilfiger fashion show. Um, Tommy Hilfiger is a, um, a very important piece of, uh, of our project and our company, big believer in Rove. Um, and at the Tommy Hilfiger fashion show, this was our first in real life sort of activation, bridging the physical and digital. We allowed all 2,000 um, attendees had the opportunity to mint a free Rove NFT. It was Tommy's first ever NFT on their phone in under a minute. Um, no crypto involved. For a lot of people, they've never owned an NFT. Um, and, uh, you know, because of a lot of the complexities we, we spoke about for, before, but this gave them an opportunity. Um, and it was more of like a sort of test case um, where we were like taking a lot of market feedback and um, building that from there. That was a really cool one. Um, what I'm most excited about right now, our main focus with Rove is on a lot of. Um, events and ticketing, specifically in the Web3 uh, industry. And we're getting a lot of traction with crypto native audience. Where we're going with V2, which we'll be releasing in a few months, is um, we're we're building this concept of in-app stores 
or storefronts where brands can have different uh, fully designed spaces within Rove where they are selling digital assets direct to their consumers, whether that's tickets to events, whether that's membership passes. They can make use of our loyalty rewards program on chain um, and really give this direct um, uh, brand to fan relationship can really form. And that's where um, we have a lot of brands uh, in fashion, film, music, and sports. Those are our key verticals that we will be piloting with the launch of V2 in addition to the NFT communities. So really bridging both um, and uh, super excited for that to play out. Um, and uh, we're getting a lot of a lot of interest um, in 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 our uh, in our next rollout. Excellent. And uh, just sorry uh, to answer your last thing. Who who else do I admire in the space? Um, I think that I think that a lot of like entertainment NFTs and, and brand activations have unfortunately gone wrong or, or missed so far. I think it was the first evolution. Um, we saw a lot of celebrities come out and launch an NFT that had no ongoing utility quickly went to zero, their fans are left holding a worthless asset and they're actually more disgruntled than they are. So it backfired. So um, there aren't that many um, examples of uh, activations that have gone incredibly right. Um, I think some new things around physically minting NFTs at music mm -hmm. festivals um, and, and in real life events is very interesting and something we're focused on. Um, and I think uh, one brand that we kind of, you know, know a little bit about, um, or one project is called Recur, which um, launched some major IP early, I think Scarface and Nickelodeon and stuff like that. Oh, sure. uh, they suffered the same fate I just described where there was no utility and these went to zero. But what I admire most is they pivoted and built a full suite of tools to provide ongoing value. So they're one that's trying to advance uh, this, this part of the industry. Um, and they're doing a good job. You know, How do you see the physical and the digital coming together with brands like um, like Tiffany had you know jewelry with an NFT? Yeah, I think this concept of like bridging the physical and digital, merging them. Um, once again, it's another buzzword theme we hear all the time, but I think there's something uh, truly there. Um, I think that's one of the unique value propositions of Web3 is digital ownership the way we have physical ownership. And we, we never had that before uh, fully. So um, the first iteration of this were just these JPEG collectibles that um, people loved. That's losing flavor and we're demanding more and more sort of utility. I think there's a lot there, uh, Sue, that will be unfolding in the next bull market um, where... Um, how can we get a digital footprint of a physical item that then gives us something, whether that's rewards or perks or access or being part of a close-knit community? You know, how do we really um, rival what you get by physical ownership digitally? Uh, so there's, it's a huge theme. And um, without going too deep into it, I think we're going to see some of the biggest innovations um, in the upcoming months and years around that. Jason, one of the things I really like that you're, you're talking about is, is utility. Yeah. And, you know, to me, the, the bull run of NFTs started with it exists. Like, because it exists and because we're going to say it's digitally scarce, like, there's, there's intrinsic value. And I think that we've quickly moved past that for, you know, probably 99.8% of, of all NFTs that have ever been created. So there's a small minority of these that, you know, did find enough, you know, communities or, or, or some, somehow just, 
people like them because I like them. But the next phase of this is, is moving to like, I own this because it's a key. It unlocks something or reminds me of something that I did. And, and that's really where I, you know, again, as you said earlier, the space shifts so quickly and whatever you knew yesterday, you better be ready to relearn again today because it's most likely changing. That comes with education. It's one of the biggest challenges that YWales faces every day is, is that we have to educate business leaders on, and that's exactly what this podcast is, on, on where the space came from, where it is today, and where it's going. How do you kind of tackle that education standpoint, especially with some of these brands that you know have had failed activations, that were sold a bill of goods of like, oh, just mint a thing with your logo on it and, and you know, it, it'll be fine. Everyone's going to love it. Like, how do, you, how do you overcome those? Yeah. I'd say that's one of the biggest obstacles in addition to what we spoke to earlier. Um, so when you're dealing with brands or onboarding new people, um, you know, social validation matters a lot. So the fact that others are already doing it is, is crucial. Um, and when no one else is, it's, it's even more difficult to get that like, uh, first mover buy-in. So, um, we're at a good a good place with the space as a whole, where in the early days of this industry, no one wanted to touch it. No corporations wanted to touch it. And that was very difficult because the first part about education before you could onboard anyone is why is this industry important to me? Why do I need to get involved in it? And why is this the future? If you can sell them about how this will directly benefit their users or their product or their bottom line, then you have them hooked. Then it's about, okay, now, how do I go about this in the proper way? So I think holistically, we're at a good place where people believe there's enough buy now that this is there is something here. So we've crossed that first hurdle. The second hurdle, which you mentioned, Jay, is uh, let's call it a brand or an organization or, or a notable figure who has tried something in the space. It's gone horribly wrong. How do they dust that off and trust it again to continue? And I think the answer comes to you know, a lot of what we and, and others are trying to do, which is taking all the, the, the difficult decisions out of the equation. We can make a super simplified product that works extremely well, that um, removes the, the points that they probably got burned by earlier, which was people didn't know how to buy their asset. Um, it, it potentially was like a scam or unsafe. And then there was no utility in it. Those were like probably one of the three things that went wrong. Or it didn't sell out because there is like they used a platform that had no community. Um, we have specifically are setting out to solve those. Um, and we think the, the answer is create a super user-friendly product with a community around it that removes those pain points, those points of friction that probably burned them in the past and say, it didn't work before, but here's where the technology has evolved to. Uh, this is what it enables for you and your community or your fans. And give this a second try or else you will miss the boat because, and then you show them the metrics. Wallets are growing, users are growing, more brands are coming in. This is not an industry on the decline. It's going up and to the right. So I think that's, but it is a difficult process and it's the hardest. And it's especially the hardest when something like FTX happens which puts a severe stain on the industry, not because the tech is flawed, but because of bad actors and the regulatory aftermath. That's, that's what hurts the most because it's not something we have direct control over as, as an industry. 
Jason, amazing conversation so far. And and Sue, thank you so much for, for uh, co-hosting on this one. Um, it's a great to have someone that's an experienced developer, and you've worked on a lot of projects. Rove is, is your current one, but you've done quite a bit in the past. And I think that's really important because in this space, you know, the first thing you do, like almost any asset class, um, it can be a success, but most likely it isn't. And so really understanding how to work in the space, how to work with clients, and, and kind of having the, your 10,000 hours um, is critically important. And you, and you have that, and it showcases with Rove today. Um, um, as you kind of look into the future, and, and as you said, you always kind of are skating to where the puck's going, not worrying about where it is today. What's your thoughts on on kind of the, the best way for people to look at the space and look at entering or kind of revising their current Web 2 products into a Web 3? Just, you know, any thoughts you have uh, related to that? Yeah, I think we've, um, as I mentioned before, we've passed that chasm where um, this is an accepted industry, whether or not the current regulatory regime believes that, like this is here to stay. That was the first hurdle we overcame. And from there, this allows sort of breakneck innovation. Um, just from being on the ground, I'm seeing the best minds in the world um, during bull markets, like the most capital all flow here, which is very directionally important. So I think we have an extremely bright future ahead um, holistically. I think uh, now it's about how do we expand the industry and onboard the masses. Um, and I think, as I said before, that revolves around consumer-friendly products that remove the complexities that the space uh, faces right now. Um, I think that also uh, entails a multi-chain future, which is another theme we hit on, where all of these blockchains are interoperable. You don't have to take two days to bridge assets from one to the other. And you're using, so what does the world look like in the multi-chain future? Well, you're using chains for specific use cases. Oh, this chain is better for security. This is better for speed. This is better for you know X, Y, and Z. But you're able to migrate pretty seamlessly from one to the other. And this is where, where you're built on becomes less and less relevant. There's less of these tribalistic communities. And it's more about what is the product you're building? And I think this gets into an important concept, which is... Uh, it used to be the one of the early thesis in this industry, which I think is important, was called the FAT protocol thesis, which was that all of the value uh, would ultimately accrue down to the protocol. So the actual blockchain, whether that's Ethereum or Avalanche or Bitcoin, right? It wouldn't matter as much about the applications or the dApps or the products. It was the, the value would flow there. Now we've mm -hmm. sort of, uh, the new uh, train of thought in the space is that we're, uh, the space is shifting towards less of a fat protocol thesis and more value being placed on the actual application layer. So it's not as much about this value accruing to the blockchain, uh, the layer mm -hmm. one or layer two. It's this value accruing mm -hmm. to apps that can actually onboard a massive amount of users and accrue value in and of itself. And that can combine tokens with just traditional revenue, right? We can create real businesses. doesn't all have to be based off of... Um, tokens, right? And I think that's um, something we're really focused on with, with Rove. I think that's where the space is headed. I think what we need is that one breakout application, whether it's a game, you know, whether it's um, a, a social app, that really is a step up from what you see in Web2. Because the reality is, it's a sad reality, but the average consumer who, who isn't in this space doesn't care about a lot of the um, ideological things we're talking about, about self-ownership of assets. They don't care unless they have to. So when we can actually create products that are actually better to use than what currently exists, that's when we will 
have that mass influx of um, of users. Um, there's a lot that I think is wrong with the space that needs to improve, but by and large, I think we're headed towards a time of more regulatory clarity, much more building happening globally, and literally a future internet um, that is based off of these um, these principles. And we're in the earliest innings. Last thing I'll say is the reason we have these crazy swings with a bull market where stuff goes up 30x and then a bear market where it goes down 99% is a function of the space being so early and inefficient still. It's not a mature market. And I'm also excited for the time where that becomes more mature and you don't have these three-year winters and then these 18-month euphoric swings. It's it's a lot to deal with emotionally <laughs> in the space. Um, it'll be nice when that calms down a little bit. I, I completely agree. And that's those are that's a really good way to kind of look yeah. at the space. And so thank you yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, anyone that wants to know more about Rove, you or or kind of get involved uh, with your project, what's the best way to find you guys? Yeah, so uh, glad you asked. Um, I know Sue showed off the app earlier. Um, so just to download the app, it's called the Rove World app, two words. It's available for iOS and Android just in the app store. Um, so if you want to uh, play around with it, if you invite three friends, you get a free NFT as part of the onboarding process. So uh, we got a lot. We got downloads in over 200 countries and six continents. Um, a lot of people inviting their friends. So that's, I'd say, the best way to um, to use the product. You could check us out at roveworld.xyz is our website. Um, our Twitter handle, which is where we're most engaged, is at roveworldapp on Twitter. My personal one is Jason M as in Michael Desimone uh, at Twitter. Um, you can find me there. And then, um, yeah, you know, beyond that, um, we have a Discord. We're very active with our community. There we go, Jay. <laughs> and uh, uh, we just onboarded another one. So we're uh, <laughs> we're on the way. You're, you're, forcing, you're forcing me into either Apple or Google sign-in, yes. though. That's, 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 my, that's the only thing I'll throw at you right now. Yes. Um, but that's, fa- that's fabulous. And then um, just, just as a quick teaser, uh, talk of a coin. Yeah, so uh, rather than a token, Rove, uh, we have what are called Rove credits. These are our in-app loyalty reward system. They're off-chain uh, for now. These are, this is a credit system. Um, right now, uh, your early NFTs can be locked to earn these. These can be redeemed to buy tickets, get exclusive access um, to everything we're doing. And this is across the whole ecosystem. So if there's a Tommy Hilfiger activation where you earn Rove credits, you could apply that You know, to film, music, sports, or our own sort of internal um, products. And this will ramp up more with V2, where we have stores all circled around the Rove credits. So that's um, something that um, you know we're able to have our on-chain assets and our off-chain as well, and blend the best of both worlds. Um, so that's something we're really excited about. It's built off of a, a tokenomic model, um, but it is a loyalty reward program. So we're able to get a little creative there. Um, so yeah, that's the, the row of credits and um, a lot of what I described with V2 and going multi-chain, um, expect all that uh, late summer um, and we will be announcing some big partnerships leading up to that. So um, a lot we're kind of cooking up behind the scenes right now. That's amazing. Congratulations and, and super excited to kind of continue to watch the project. You're just doing a masterful um, job of, of integrating Web 2 and Web 3 and, and <laughs> having them work together. We're, we're trying. Fabulous. But thank you for that. 
Fabulous, fabulous. Well, thank you for the time today. Uh, Sue, amazing job co-hosting as always. Thank you, thank, thank you, you thank you, thank you. And Jason, um, again, really really excited to kind of watch the progress go. Three months, you're already, uh, you know, kind of ready to, to go into to V2. That's that's showcases the the rapid innovation uh, moving from Web 2 to Web 3 and, and you know, really a lot of utility uh, behind the scenes. So really excited about it. Uh, Why Wheels, this is another one in the wraps. Uh, we'll talk, see you soon. Why Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. Why Whales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. YWales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.